few months ago in our sermon series through Acts. Uh, we, we talked about the church coming together and serving one another and doing the ministry of the church. And I made this application point that in the church, no one person can do everything. Everyone in the church has to do something. Because the point of that point was that when one person starts doing everything and starts serving everyone and doing everything, that, that leads to burnout, that leads to exhaustion, that leads to doing for Jesus and neglecting being with Jesus. So whether you're at Story Church serving or perhaps in another ministry or service opportunity, maybe in a previous church ministry context, have you ever found yourself burnt out serving, doing things for Jesus, forgetting the more important thing, which is being with him? think in our busy lives, we neglect the more important thing. I recently uh, read uh, this anecdote about in years past, in, in generations past, in the upper Midwest, farmers uh, going into the winter season would tie a rope from their back door to their barn so that during the winter, if they were out working and a blizzard came, that they could find their way back to the rope and get back home. Because in, in the upper Midwest, these blizzards would come suddenly, and they would come fiercely. They were highly dangerous. When the full force was blowing, a farmer could not even see the end of his or her hands. Many even froze to death in those blizzards, disoriented by their inability to see. They wandered in circles, sometimes lost in their own backyards. If they lost their grip on that rope, it became impossible for them to find their way home. Some froze within feet of their own front door, never realizing how close they were to safety. Friends, we're in the blizzard of busyness. We are in a storm of being overscheduled. We're all tensed all the time, addicted to the hurry, frantic. We're preoccupied. We're fatigued. We're starved for more and more time. We're in this constant battle to make the best use of every spare minute. We feel disoriented and confused. Friends, we need a rope to hold onto in the midst of this blizzard to guide us back to safety. What are we supposed to do then? Like, what is that rope to hold onto? What is that anchor that will guide us? Well, this passage tells us that we need to stop and sit at the feet of Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do. Now, why is it so hard? I mean, in addition to the busyness of our lives, why is it hard to stop and sit at the feet of Jesus? Well, this passage gives us two reasons why it's hard. First, look at how Jesus responds to Martha in verse 41. He says, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Martha, in the midst of her anxiety and worry about the work before her, is unable to stop and sit at the feet of Jesus. She's preoccupied. She's concerned about that immediate task right in front of her, hosting the very Son of God. She needs to prepare food. She needs to clean house. She needs to set out the dishes. She needs to make sure everyone is provided for She's preoccupied. Have you ever had someone come over sort of unannounced? I mean, there's sort of this mad hustle to get everything ready. The anxiety level rises so quickly. But anxiety here is, is not just increasing stress. 
There's a lot of things that increase stress, but anxiety, it's more than stress. Anxiety is, is what we feel when we fear losing control. Anxiety is what we feel when we fear losing control. And so Martha is anxious because all of a sudden, she's no longer in control of what's going on. And she's fearful, and anxiety is building up. We fear losing control. Isn't that why we keep calendars? Is to try to maintain control on those precious hours and minutes? We, we try to have a sense of, I can control my schedule. But when it comes to taking time to stop and sitting with Jesus, we are overwhelmed with the concerns of life. Like even if we have the opportunity to stop and be silent and to listen and to pray, what, what pops into your head? It's the concerns of life. Oh, did I send that email? Oh my gosh, I, I forgot about that meeting I was supposed to go to. I need to follow up with that person. Man, I shoot, didn't get to go to the grocery this week, got to do laundry. Oh my, that, that person's coming over for dinner tonight. What are we going to make for them? In the midst of our ability to stop and sit, the concerns of life flood in. We become so anxious. It's hard for us to stop and sit in the midst of our busyness because we grow anxious. We fear losing whatever control we think we have on our lives. And so we hold tight. We hold tight to our distractions. We tighten our grips on our schedules. We put our hand to the plow and we don't look back. That's why it's hard for us to stop. And that's the first reason. Our anxiety overwhelms us. But the second reason why it's hard for us to stop and sit is found in Martha's complaint. Look at verse 40. Martha is wasting away in the house trying to prepare everything for Jesus. And she goes up to him. And Luke says that she's distracted in her serving, but goes to Jesus and says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Lord, do you not see all that I am doing for you? Don't you see that I'm doing this all by myself? Do you not care how much I've given up for you? Why don't you ask my sister to help? Why don't you ask others to step in? Don't you see how much I'm giving for you, how much I'm sacrificing for you? Don't you know how much I'm doing for you? Martha's complaint is that she does not feel seen for what she has been doing for Jesus. She doesn't feel recognized for all of the hard work that she's put into being hospitable. It's not just that she wants help. It's that she wants Jesus to see that she is working beyond her capacity, and she wants Jesus to step in. She wants him to see all that she is doing for him. That's the second reason why it is hard for us to stop and sit with Jesus. It's because we actually want Jesus to notice how much we do for him. We think that stopping and being with him is not what he wants. He wants to see us doing for him. But at the root of this desire for Jesus to see all that we do for him, the root of that desire is this desire for Jesus to accept us, this desire for Jesus to approve of everything that we do for him. We all learn from an early age that there is this relationship between putting in hard work, achieving your goals, gaining success, 
and the approval and pride that comes from others when they see us do that. Even my own family growing up, I wanted my parents to be proud of me. Like I, I wanted my parents to look at what I had done with my life and say, well done. And so, and so I you know, tried to do well in school. When I was on sports teams, I tried to do well in those. I tried to do well in clubs. I wanted my parents' approval of what I had done with my life. Maybe you had a similar experience. Maybe for you, like getting college acceptance letters in the mail was how you understood your approval. Or maybe now after college, your desire for approval has led you to a certain career path or a certain life stage, or you've moved to a certain place because you want other people to approve of you. Maybe it's not being successful in your career. Maybe it's having children and being the best dad, the best mom, or at least better than your dad, better than your mom. It is our need for this approval from others that drives us in the busyness and hectic of life. What is it now that you're doing to try to gain the approval of someone around you? Maybe it's your friends or your family, your community, your parents. What are you striving for right now? That if they saw it, they would say, well done. This is what I want to see out of your life. How do you fill in this blank? Mom, dad, don't you care that I'm doing this? Friends, can't you see what I'm striving for? Is this enough for your approval? Do you accept me? Are you proud of me? The reason why we have such a hard time stopping and sitting with Jesus is that we are so obsessed with trying to prove ourselves worthy of being with Jesus. We're trying to prove it by doing for Jesus. But Jesus says it is more important to be with me than to do for me. In Matthew 7, Jesus talks about the judgment day. The, the end of time, the day of judgment where your life, your, your, all of your actions, all of your thoughts, all of your deeds will be laid out in front of him and he will judge you. And Jesus says, on that day, there will be people who come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy for you? Did I not cast out demons for you? Did I not do many works for you? And Jesus will say, depart from me. For I did not know you. Jesus is saying, in the end, when it all matters, more important than doing for me is being with me. The only question at the end of life that matters is, does Jesus know you? Do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with him? What will matter more on that day is not whether or not you did for him, but whether or not you knew him. So how do we do this? How do we stop from the busyness of life? How do we sit at his feet and listen to him? We have to take each of these in turn. Like how, how do we experience God's approval of us? How, how do we experience God saying, I'm proud of you? We all want to hear that at the end of our life. Well done, good and faithful servant. So how do we get that? How do we know today, right now, that our Father in heaven approves of us, no matter what? 
I had a, a counselor in St. Louis that I would meet with, and he told me a story about his own son, who was in high school, who played for the baseball team. And he was pretty good. You know, oftentimes when he'd play, he'd uh, hit home runs and score runs for the team, and they'd win, and they did pretty well. But th- my counselor told me that um, every time that he would go and see his son play baseball, on the way home, he'd, he'd, want, to remind, he'd want him to know one thing, how much joy he had in coming to watch his son play. As a, as a quick aside, I love watching sports when the commentator like pans the camera to the family of whoever's up at bat or whoever is the quarterback, and the you know they're they're so anxious, and then the play happens and they cheer and they jump around and they're hugging strangers next to them. Like that's that's joyful celebration of someone. We all want our fathers and our mothers and our friends to celebrate us like that. Well, my counselor said every time on the way home. He would turn to his son and say, son, I love coming to watch you play baseball. It doesn't matter if you win. It doesn't matter if you lose. I love coming to watch you play. It delights me. I'm so proud of who you are. And he told him that every week, whether they'd win or whether they lose, every single time. And he did that so that when that team lost, and everyone else had their heads down, this boy knew that his father still loved him. So that when he got bad grades in school, and everyone was worried about, well, what are my parents going to think about that? He knew, no matter what, my dad still loves me. He, he knew that if he didn't get into a certain college, it didn't matter. His dad still loved him. Because every time this dad told his son, I love you, I'm proud of you, I delight in you, I am joyful over you. That's what we all crave. So the question is, how do we have that? Like, how do we know today that our Heavenly Father already delights in us, already approves of us, already loves us, and is proud of us? That's the big question we all ask. At Story Church, we love to talk about the gospel. And every week, we confess our sins and are reminded of the gospel. And this morning, when we read 2 Corinthians 5, it is this glorious truth that on the cross, Jesus took our sin from us, paying in himself the the wrath of God, the justice against our sin. But the other side of the coin is that the perfection and the holiness and the righteousness and the goodness of Jesus is now transferred to us. Martin Luther calls this this great exchange where our sin goes to Jesus and his perfection comes to us. So that now, by faith, when the Father looks at the cross and sees his son, Jesus, he sees our sin paid. And when he looks at us now, he sees the perfection and holiness of Jesus on us. It's like when God looks at us, he sees his son, Jesus. It's like when he looks at you, you are the one that fed the 5,000. When he looks at you, it's like you are the one that turned water into wine. It's, it's you who raised Lazarus from the dead. So that when the Father looks at you, it is true of you what was true of Jesus. When Jesus was baptized, the, the heavens departed and a voice came down of heaven and it said, This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. Pleased. 
by faith, you now are the recipients of that truth. The heavens open up and the voice of our Father in heaven looks at you now and says, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. With you, I am well pleased. That's what we need to hear. In order to stop and sit at the feet of Jesus, we need to know that our Father loves us. He approves of us. He delights in us so that we can stop working for it. We can stop striving for it. We can stop being so worried about the busyness of our lives, and we can come and sit. But once we feel that love, how do we let go of the busyness? Like, how do we let go of that anxiety? How do we let go and sit at the feet of Jesus? It's a matter of trust. Do you trust that God not only loves you, but is in control? Do you trust that the Lord is sitting on the throne over our lives and is orchestrating everything for us? Jesus is saying, come and sit with me. Come and draw near with me. In Matthew 6, I'll close with this. Matthew 6, Jesus shares a parable, and he says, look at the birds of the air. They don't toil or work, and yet the Lord feeds them. Look at the flowers of the field. Look, they don't, they don't work, but they're so beautiful, more beautiful than Solomon ever, ever was in all of his glory, because the Lord clothes them. How much more valuable are you to the Father than birds and flowers? Trust that he loves you. Trust that he'll provide for you. Trust that he is sovereign over our lives. And when we trust that, we can let go. We can stop working, believing that the Lord is working for us. Jesus is inviting us in this passage to choose the more important thing, to stop, to sit, and to listen. That's what he's inviting us into now. Let's pray.